welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. He is uh, just a disaster of a human, and it's fantastic. I I definitely thought that you were saying grits, as in, like, polenta. Oh, I mean, hey, hey, if ever a corn-based product were to de- uh, <laughs> re- deserve chanting, it would be grits. I say this in the nicest <laughs> way possible. He's a messy bitch. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, he's a messy dr- bitch who drinks bourbon out of teapots. But like, I'm here for it. Or not he bourbon, never or claims to be anything other than what he is, which is just a guy who mm. got lucky. Who was like, "Look, I dropped out of university because girls." So, you know, now I'm in charge of things. Life's weird. Yeah. I happen to be holding the right sword at the right time so i'm like the last one of my immortal race and and shit is fucked and i'm i guess i gotta deal with it because no one else is going to but it's like it's like grits went to a a good university and got a d but then the entire (laughs) education system changed and everyone Mm. got stupider so now his D would be probably like a B plus A. <laughs> he's also and he's also had something like in not talking about present, but in the past, in the chapters we read, it's been like thirteen hundred years. So he's had time to yeah. It's not so much that he's smart; it's so it's more that he's well researched. But he's probably yes. like at least you gotta give him a little credit. Oh yeah, like he obviously figures out the flaws in Relosvar's ritual and figures out how to, you know, uh, get a cornerstone back in a dragon and heal them. Like, that's that's not nothing. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah he he's did. just like, he has time. He has all the time. He has time, and also he's not interested in being king, which is kind of a theme of these chapters. He's like, well, I could have set mm, myself up yes. as the, the main guy in charge, but I just want to fix this. Like, this... I never wanted this. It's like... Yeah. The shit the shit you can right. get done when you aren't scheming for the throne. Later in the chapters, uh, everyone else points out to Cariel that no one wants the Vane throne. It's just that particular family's, like, weird obsession. Mm. Which is delightful. <laughs> yes! <laughs> what do they say? Like, some some families have hobbies, and this is that one. Right, because everybody's self-concept. Like, you yeah. can't take these chapters too seriously. You can't take the people in these chapters too seriously, because, like, Cariel thinks she's very important, and everyone's like, yeah, you're basically basket-weaving, but with power. Yeah, I'm reading all of these on, um, you know, an e-reader, and anytime there's, like, a a fantasy word, I, like, use the, the in, the in-debt, like, dictionary to see if it's a real word, and it's funny, um, 
Relos Var's um, cornerstone, Sinishore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it has a real meaning. Oh. A person or thing that is the center of attention or admiration. <laughs> and doesn't that just like fit Relos Var perfectly? Well, doesn't Grit say that he named the stone? He was like, yeah. I didn't know what to name it, so I named it this, and I thought it was fitting. I had to look that up, too. I thought... Perfect. Because I overthink everything, the Sino was a prefix meaning dog, which it is. It's just not what that word means. Uh, so oh. potentially a double insult in there too. I just thought it was made up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I was just editing a recent episode. I don't remember which one it was, or maybe it was just our the last episode we recorded. Anyways. We, I think we speculated on what kind of breath he has. So he has radiation breath, which is nasty. And then I cut this bit out. But I'll... Yeah, we, we had talked about whether healed dragons could keep their powers, and it seems like they do. Because Relisbar references the fact that right. he can control the dragons still. Yeah. What do you think... What do you think Gritz looks like? Like, who who do you picture... When like, you think of Grist. Crazed Gandalf. Like, Gandalf, but even more like of a messy bitch. Steve Buscemi playing Gandalf. Oh, God. <laughs> I was gonna say Danny both, DeVito. Both of those, I, I was... Oh, fuck. That's both like really a y- good. Like a young oh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Hello, fellow immortals. <laughs> like taxi... Taxi stage oh, my Danny God. DeVito. Oh, I was thinking, like, it's always sunny Danny DeVito. <laughs> Like Frank Reynolds, Danny Danny DeVito. Wait, who did you picture? I didn't. I just picked like like a crazier Gandalf. Oh, okay. Like Gandalf even really upped the eccentricity in drinking. So Radagast the Brown. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but like less nice to animals, I guess. Still same amount of poop in hair, probably. <laughs> but for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah, either of those would be good casting choices. I would be interested. On the pick for uh, Relos Var. Oh, man. Because honestly, I might stay also Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Before we go deep into the whole Grit's backstory, because there's a lot to talk about, uh, I do find it interesting, a thing that I've noticed this time around is it the chapter we start with, uh, you know, when Dala talks about his loyalty to Valathea, and then they go to Valathea's old manor house, where the elf staying. Well, not elf. I, mean, I sometimes think Vana are elves. They be- absolutely are. And it's because of that section where uh, where Valathea is talking about her manor house. How Kieran remarks, he's like, "Wait, I thought Vane liked to live above tree, like in trees." And Valathia is like, yeah, that's why this was so controversial. Because, like, her, the manor house that they go to is, like, in tunnels. And it's on, like, ground It's literally level. under the and, big aquarium. And that's what makes me compare them to elves. The elf, Vane, you know, staying at her house. has Gary. Like, there, there's, like, seeds of Valathia loyalty being sprinkled in these chapters that I feel like become relevant later on. Yeah, like, considering she's been gone, presumed dead, mm-hmm. at, presumed executed for, like, 500 years, you would think that people would 
maybe just assume she wasn't coming back. Yeah, you would think the loyalty would fade. But, but I guess not. Nope. Yeah. I do like that Ridala is like, I really fucking hate your, your nephew too, so. And it's interesting, like, think about, like, your own memories. Like, you know, you get a new hobby or you do a new thing and you start to forget other things. Like I was talking about last week where I'm like, oh, I want to forget all about all those names from Game of Thrones. <laughs> but then there's that whole discussion that Dervishar has with Kieran about souls and memories and like how you're not supposed to have all the memories. But then the Vane, they literally transfer their bodies into a new, like their souls into a new body. And then they have all this, like, they still have all of this loyalty to Valathia, even though it's been thousands of years. And some of these people probably have transferred to new bodies. So I wonder if, like, some of those, you know, memories of loyalty also linger on, where rather if they had, if they were just immortal and they just kept living, like, would those memories just, um, that's an interesting point away? that, like, we know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you kind of get a a bit of a refresh on yourself um so yeah. maybe maybe it makes you like weirdly nostalgic because Car- the first thing Cariel does other than enchant her former owner slash yeah we, we already went over that it's fine um is is she changes her appearance and like that has a lot to do with her enslavement but also has a lot to do with the fact that she is Vane and like having the right body matters. Right. I do think it's funny that um, the way Jen Lyons writes, like sometimes how um, things that happen very forward immediately like uh, brings you back to certain situations that happen in earlier chapters that you didn't think about in that way. Like, the carriage ride is hilarious because it is of the one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. <laughs> but like, so they they have the scene in the carriage where there's flirting, and then Valathia has that remark about Terath being pretty, and then Taren and then Tarendel is like, "Okay, cool your jets." Um, <laughs> Terath didn't grow up with Avane, so he still has the incest taboo. And I was like, okay. And then and then it made me think back to uh, just like the two chapters ago where Valthea and Kieran are in the car and she's talking about remembering what it was like uh, to be the harp. And she's like, oh no, I just have like some vague things. And then she's like, but I wouldn't forget you, not with such beautiful fingers. And I was like, that colors the forward the part that happens yeah. forward colors yeah. that a little bit in the past. And I'm like so, yeah, Valthea is just yeah. flirting with everybody. I mean, she hasn't boned in five hundred years. And I hear that. Girls pent I up. Do. However, the, the the it's your kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also like there's 
we mm-hmm. <laughs> you're 14,000 and they're 20 like you know if it's weird for uh somebody to be dating a 16 year old i feel like it's weird for a 14,000 year old to be into a 20 year old and it's funny uh K- Kieran being like Ah, oh, finally, someone has made Therese uncomfortable, <laughs> but I'm also uncomfortable. Oh, God. I, I love, like, Kieran and Therese just, like, looking into the camera with each other while their dads are being college bros. Oh, yeah, and, like, oh, I can just, as someone who's gotten into a car with way too many people that probably <laughs> should have been in that car, the image of, like, so Janelle's in the middle... And Therese has, like, his arm on Kieran's shoulder, and Kieran has his arm on his shoulder, and Janelle's in the middle. And then they get uh, uh, the uncomfortable flirting of their parents. And then there's, uh, like, a line about them looking at each other in the eyes. (laughs) Just them looking at each other in the eyes, like, behind Janelle's head. And just like, oh, God, kill me. (laughs) It's so great. I love it so much. Yeah. They're trauma bonding is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of, like, more... Uh, obviously, there's a lot of exposition in these chapters. That is a lot of what happens in the carriage ride. You know, it's a it's a whole, like, past life rundown. Uh, explaining the Hell Warriors. Uh, you know, Thurfishar explaining that he wrote The Rune of Kings and gave it to Diane. So, um, so it's it's... A really good time for her to intersperse this humor in because there's a lot of stuff that is like not dull but like it, you know exposition you have to get through uh catching people up and then and then like some sad stuff too like Kieran kind of having this moment of realization that was like oh I'm not gonna get a happy ending at, like mm-hmm. am I like there's there's just no way and Therese and Janelle they might get a happy ending together but I there's no way out of this for me yeah, and, and this is yeah. where I take issue with Dervishar. Okay, um, yes, you told us that you not, this is like the first time you've had issues with something that Thervishar did, so I'm so intrigued. I don't think Thervishar here is being realistic. He's being fatalist. He, putting putting this into Kieran's head that, oh, you automatically are not going to get a happy ending. is like, mm-hmm. totally goes against everything that, uh, like, what happened in book one you could have predicted from the beginning that that was not going to have a happy ending that Gadgeth probably was going to win but it didn't you can't for Thervishar to know as much as he does to and like as Thervishar and Samillion to think that like oh there's no way out of this to me like uh, I don't know what Thervishar is thinking here putting this in Kieran's mind and also it's it's like trying to. It's like a self fulfilling prophecy. Like, I think it's sort of irresponsible of Thervishar to put that in Kieran's mind, and based on what he knows about Kieran, Kieran's automatically like Kieran is kind of a pessimist. He's automatically going to think, "Oh yeah, I'm not going to have a happy ending. I can't be with Therese. I can't be with Janelle." But like, this is disregarding everything we already know about the series or how it ends or whatever. But like. It doesn't, it doesn't, add, like, for Thervishar to do, like, to place that idea in Kieran's mind, uh, I don't know, it it doesn't seem the the right way to go. Do you think that's because, like, he's kind of getting, Thervishar is kind of getting, you know, 
lost in his own memory this way, like remembering being Similian, remembering being the hero, the farm boy who rose up and did all these things and conquered and was the first emperor. And, you know, what did he say? He was like torn apart in the streets by his own people or something, which like, I think we've speculated in the past on like how Similian died. I can't. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So like, do you think that that's part of it? That Thermoshar is also caught up in his own kind of like, uh, bummer spiral in that moment? Maybe, but it, it just like, uh, it happens right after he gives that uh the whole lecture about what has like what has happened and who they are it, it like it seems so um out of character oh actually no it's not out of character because sometimes statistics and logic lead you automatically up to the negative direction but Thurishar probably would have said there's no way after Gadriff turned Kieran into a Solly Stone that he was going to come back to life and save the day. Like, there's just, for uh, Thurvishar to have witnessed as much as he has already, and to tell Kieran that oh no, you're fucked. <laughs> Relisvar fucked you. It seems, I, don't, I have a problem with it. That's fair. I mean, Kieran is like, the guy who figures out the other way, too. Like, we've seen that from him a few times now, where he will figure out some weird, sneaky solution to something that uh, everybody thought was a foregone conclusion. So, Also, uh, this is off the topic, but this finally answers a question that I had when we did uh, the... Uh, wow. I totally forgot the name of the book for a second. Um... What is it? The the name of all things? Yes. Mm. Book two? For, yeah, book two. I was yeah. second guessing yeah. the name of it for a second. <laughs> but I always was confused what Janelle knows about Kieran's story and what she doesn't. Because she knows about Kieran in the beginning of book two. She knows about Kieran, you know, killing the Emperor and running away and having a Thranriel. And here, uh, she doesn't know who Talon is. So obviously, and then we, and then I, I probably should have answered this myself when we got to the end of Name of All Things. Uh, they've been in contact with Thurvishar, which we didn't know in, right. in the earlier parts of the book. So obviously, she knows some information about what happened with Kieran, but she's never actually read, you know, the manuscript of the Ruin of Kings that would have filter in who Talon is. Yeah, I think that was something that we had talked about in previous episodes, like whether Janelle has read The Ruin of Kings or not. And it sound, and she has not, as it turns out. I, I think later on she does. I want to say, like, she reads it at some point. There, there is a lull between what happens in book three and what happens in book four. Yeah. So it might have happened then. I think so, because I want to say by book four she's read it, but I don't know why I want to say that. Cause... Or somebody filled her in. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she's read her own book. I Probably not, because well... Senere has it. But then Thervishar has a remark. Uh, yeah, he must... Yeah. He, like, sums it up, I think, in yeah. the book. Doesn't he sum it up in the in this book? In the very beginning? Isn't there must, a summary? yeah. 
and he's like presenting it as 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 if he was presenting it to Tyenso. So maybe yeah, she'll read that in the future. Who who to tell? Christina, what were your thoughts about um what I said about Thervishar and uh his remarks to Kieran? I mean, I don't think it's a bad interpretation. I don't think you're wrong, but I just disagree. Like I also am pessimistic and sometimes <laughs> like you gotta telling someone the bad news helps them deal with it and that includes either accepting it or defying it but like Kieran already knew it like when Thurvishar walked in and was explaining that stuff Kieran's like yeah no I know I'm not gonna get out of this so it wasn't Thurvishar wasn't telling him anything he didn't know before he was just kind of confirming like yeah this is really bad and we got to figure out an actual solution as opposed to the solution that nobody else is like, even like there's so many solutions behind us. They're still talking about the virtual night. So I guess I don't find it pessimistic so much as realistic, but again, like I don't think you're wrong. It certainly, it does bias you when, you know, one quarter of your quartet and arguably the smartest one is like, yeah, I've looked at this and you're fucked. You know, if a physicist was like, yeah, no, you're fucked. It was like, well, I don't understand physics, so you're probably right and I'm not going to go any further. So. We also get... But uh, I do like... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I do like the exchange because we don't get Thurvishar interacting with people until this point, really. Like... He stabs himself heroically in the gut a little bit. He tries valiantly and falls mostly off a cliff. Like, he's he's precious yeah, we don't, boy. We don't get a lot of one-on-ones with him and other characters. Because yeah. we, we weren't in the Janelle Thurvishar bag on the lizards. <laughs> Truly the butterbelly of um, right. Honestly, all these books from the perspective of Thurvishar have to be amazing. Uh, yeah, except for like she would, ha- Jen Lyons would have to like sum up the points where he was like in Shadjar Gore, just like mm. writing and researching into like yeah. a, a paragraph rather than. And now he researched uh rituals. <laughs> and then Horny Teen 1 was making horny eyes at Horny Teen 2 while Horny Teen 3 got really jealous about it and anyways I went back to my book at that point I do really like that there is a fourth character sitting there being like this love triangle is equilateral like it's yeah. interesting because like at, by this point every single one of them from their own POV has been like well, the other two can get together, and I'm Ugh. truly the, the odd one out. Janelle did it. Tarate did it first, then Janelle, and now Kieran is like, well, they could get married, but I'm going to die. It's like, y'all are very stupid. Yeah, he's just like, I'm so glad I'm older than you in every way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't interest me. Thank God. Yeah, like, speaking of, again, like, things you can get done when you're not, like, horny chasing someone around or or vying for the throne like, you can become an incredibly powerful wizard who has time to write books. I mean, maybe you have the assistance of a, a time vortex tower also, but still. <laughs> like, he, the, yeah, there's a bit where he, I think he's just talking. He's like, yeah, I'm not interested in relationships. It's not for me. And right. uh, 
I can't remember. No, he's not talking about. He's talking about sex, I think. But I don't know if he's talking about relationships. But he's just like, yeah, I don't know. I got stuff to do. Oh, he says I'm busy uh, making what was it? Frogs twelve feet tall and getting super <laughs> high and fire breath. Yeah, because yeah. uh, he has a remark about Kieran, Therese, and Janelle's love triangle, and Kieran like gives him like a look of surprise. And he says something like, just because I'm not into it doesn't mean I don't notice. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, everybody knows. Everybody knows. You three are the least smooth criminals around. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Grant, and like, he's hot for Cedere, and Kieran knows that. So, like, yeah. Hot for, in whatever asexual, you know, way that. He there, chooses to be. There's there's a lot of uh, footnotes involved. It's very brainy. Yeah. Tr- truly, Thervishar is the only person who I could call a sapiosexual who, like, isn't a huge douchebag about it. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. He genuinely just wants to have just footnotes. Your yeah. footnotes should have footnotes. Those are the babies that he wants with you. Now, to the Grist chapters... Uh, especially the first one and the second one. Um, there's so many like little things I want to oh know my about. God. Like so why does why does Rivark have blue eyes when all the Voris have red eyes? Like what? Uh, Grist has a remark about Voris civilization uh, civilization collapsing, and like I'm really curious. So you have, you know, they were in the other dimension. They came here to this world. Uh, they were immortal for a while. They like restarted society. Demons showed up. Then they, had, you know, they did their ritual to make the eight immortals to help with the demons. Then Relisfar did his ritual to uh, siphon. Yeah, siphon Tenye. Yeah. So he had closed the Nithra mm-hmm. wound. And yeah, and I, I think this is the first time where we also get some of his like supposed motivation too. Right. But, like, I'm really curious, but, after, like, after Ralesfar does the ritual, the, like, they had re- they had rebuilt society. They had rebuilt their society. And it sounds like they were very advanced. And now they're not so advanced. And Grits, like, you could tell from Grits that he, like, he noticed. And so... Vora's civilization collapsed to what it is now. It's like how, you know, in, in the whole thing with Lord of the Rings is that everybody, like, things are getting not think, it's not that things are getting worse. It's that things, like, the dwarves talk about how they're, the things they used to be able to smith, they're not, all that knowledge is lost and they can't do it as well anymore. And the elves are like, we are diminishing in this world and we have to go across the sea. I'm really curious, like, how much Vorest civilization collapsed in those 1300 years from, like, what happened with Valkaroth and now. Because, like, I wonder how much knowledge... Because they, they came over here and because they weren't native, like... And that's the... Fu- that's the we finally find out why they are immortal, which I don't mm. think I've ever picked up on. Is I- that think i knew that i must have remembered it from this yeah because it's revealed that they because they're not natives of this world that's why they were immortal and what the 
Ritual of Night is extensively doing is like aligning them with the universe. They're like Tenye with the universe. So now the universe thinks that they are a part of this world and therefore they start age like they they start aging and dying again. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder like was it a quick collapse? Was it like people was there people trying to preserve knowledge and it just didn't happen cuz imagine going from uh being immortal to not and like and, and like just like in very regular everyday things of like how you well I don't have to worry about storing this knowledge and writing mm-hmm. it down because I'm just going to live like mm-hmm. right. and now yeah. they have to no now and imagine the first person dying like they yeah. do they like all those people die in the ritual and they're like oh well they died but I'm not going to die but then people start dying at 80 yeah. and you're so confused well, and they talk about, too, like, even even before the Ritual of Night, like, after the creation of the dragons in Volkaroth, in general, like, there was a 20-year winter, and, there like, the, the physical um, reaction on the world was quite dramatic, too. So, like, I could also see, like, the that that start of the downfall, you know, coming just from the, the reaction of, like, oh, fuck, like, 20 years of winter, even for an immortal race, that's going to make things complicated, insane dragons rampaging around that's gonna that's gonna uh, be a factor that's gonna gonna harm your civilization so yeah i wonder if it was sort of this like cascading thing of you know the 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 guardians are gone volkaroth's uh it was imprisoned at that point or was volkaroth just running around um, I think that the timeline for Volkaroth, I think he was imprisoned very, very shortly yeah. after he was created, yeah. but the cataclysm still destroyed like an entire continent. Mm-hmm. So they and- also, they lost people immediately and then people started dying in catastrophes and then people started dying of old age. And so like, you know, compound trauma plus everything that you didn't write down isn't in yeah. anybody's head, but also everything that you did write down might have got blown up. Yeah. Oh, another thing I didn't think of, also your smartest people just became insane dragons. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, Relisvar talks about the eight immortals, how they were all, you know, like, good soldiers. Um, but what we know about the ritual that created Valkaroth was Sarek was the only soldier. Mm-hmm. All the others were like relatives that were in like science and research and mm-hmm. like uh, different positions that were not like I, th- Rel- I think Relisvar talks about how you know they picked people that weren't soldiers on purpose. Mm-hmm. But also Grist is. And and Relisvar are pretty skeptical of the idea that the eight immortals would be good enough soldiers. Like yeah. they were adequate for the time, but I think it was Grist who was like, "Yeah, they're not gonna. They're not. They're not gonna like make the sacrifice." Yeah. Forever. Well, and the other thing about these chapters too is like we potentially have a very unreliable narrator. Like we don't even know who the narrator is exactly. Mm. It might be Grist himself. It might be Relisvar. Like. 
I'm leaving Grits just because uh, same re- for the same reasons Kieran says, where he's like, yeah, no, Rello's like he 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 gets described as a real sad sack for a while, and it's like Rello's far would never describe himself that way. And then uh, it makes sense, but you know. You can also imagine a third scenario where Relisvar tampered with it. That's true, yeah. Oh yeah, like there's some things that are redacted that... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think Relisvar would keep the whole... Like, Gritz explains the entire plan that... Uh, and then to have Relisvar be like, if you, th- if you think that's what I intended... I don't, I don't It doesn't seem... Like, he would keep that in there. That seems like a, yeah. a Grits thing. Yeah. I think Kieran has a remark about Rallis Farr would never write himself as such an arrogant prick yeah. as he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. What I really like about these Grits chapters is the, like, the science of Tenye. Like, mm. they go to the... um where Gris is trying to show what the god kings are doing, and they goes yeah. to Yinus <laughs> yeah. with the Thriss. And, mm-hmm. like, at first Gris is like, oh, he likes snakes. <laughs> he uh, he has a snake theme. Then they go into, like, why all the god kings have, like, certain creations. Because mm. they have, like, too much tenye they have to, like, get mm. rid of. So they yeah. have, like, projects that they use this tenye on so they can keep so they can keep taking in more tenye to like keep refilling and then we get tenye is just the worst meth just like (laughs) i gotta i gotta do this thing and then this other thing Mm -hmm. and then i'm just gonna it's like the just coffee iv drip yeah and the idea that like the regular human is not a good vessel for tenye actually Mm -hmm. like you can only hold so much, and that's if you've done this specific thing to become a god king. And even then, you have to, yeah, you have to, like, dump it sometimes. Yeah, that, I found that really interesting. And just, like, the idea that, like, you know, we're so used to Relisvar knowing everything and being five steps ahead. So it was really mm-hmm. fun to kind of see him as this, like, wide-eyed, like, what the fuck is a god king? <laughs> and then going around like Enos and Gris is just like he likes snakes. What? What? Like he likes snakes. It's important to have a theme. And Relisvar <laughs> is just like, are you fucking kidding me? It's- I did appreciate also that like Relisvar might be a son of a bitch, but he's like, he genuinely cares what's been done to his people. He's very yeah. upset. That, you know, because you have to imagine that these people didn't consent to it. Maybe some of them did, but some of them definitely didn't. So, you know, he doesn't get too many points for it, but he gets a couple. And also, there's a lot of hints here about future oh events. God, yeah. Like, so many that I didn't pick up on. Like, Grits, uh, not Grits, Relos Far talking about, like, oh, this God King business is even worse than you know, because there's logical conclusions that you can make after you make yourself a God King of where this could go after that. And... Chris is like, oh, what do you mean? And Relisvar is like, it's better that you don't know. And like, <laughs> Grits, Grits like continues to like, uh, push and prod him with it. And then I love this that <laughs> they're drinking and like <laughs> Grits and Relisvar are both uh like drunk. Although Relisvar tries to hide it more than Grits does, and he's like, he's like. 
putting b- the empty bottles, <laughs> like melding them into the wall. But then he has this whole explanation of like where this could go, where the bottle gets bigger and the person is the bottle and that it it looks like to the person that their tenye is they're getting more tenye, but the vessel is getting bigger. And then uh, Gris has a remark is like, oh, that sounds like demons because like uh relfar compares it to like an addiction where you just like get more and more tenye but the vessel gets bigger and bigger and bigger and gris you know says the remark about demons and relfar is still like not no comment i i plead the fifth i'm (laughs) i'm not saying anything ironically he's doing it while he's making himself a glass house to sit in (laughs) Oh yeah, that is pretty funny. I, I don't think I picked up on that. <laughs> I don't know if it was intentional. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, that so there are two two really great metaphors for explaining a system that needs to make sense, but they're very efficient about it, and you can carry these ex- explanations throughout the rest of the book. Is that demons eat souls, but they eat in they eat the vessel too. So no matter how and. Thurvishar also has a really good one with, like, your past lives are books that you shouldn't be able to read. They're just different books. They're not part of your book. They're in the same library. Uh, and, oh, Thurvishar is like, I gotta remember that. Kieran yeah, comes up with that. Of course yeah. Thurvishar loves a good library metaphor. Oh, he gets so distracted. It's yeah, good. it's great. I thought... Uh, books, you say? A really, like brilliant thing that I didn't pick up the first time is that when Gritz is talking about Sulis, he says it without an uh, apostrophe and then mm-hmm. Relsvar says it again, it, like, oh, you mean Sulis with an apostrophe? And Gritz is like, oh, we don't use apostrophes anymore. And <laughs> anyone who's into fantasy yeah. is, yeah. you know, there's the trope of like, oh, fantasy names have a lot of apostrophes. So the fact that they used to like be more advanced and had apostrophes in their name, and now they're less advanced and they've removed the apostrophes is very funny considering we're reading a fantasy yeah. book. It's good. Very very self aware. Mm-hmm. Does anybody? This is. Has anyone watched um, um Actually? No. It's like a web series. It's yes. very good. I've seen it. I've seen clips. A lot of clips of it through uh, TikTok. It's a it's a Jeopardy style show for nerds where you have to preface all your answers with um actually, <laughs> and uh, one of the like games they play is called Spelling Bee, where you have to spell fantasy names. <laughs> no oh, one ever gets it right. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> oh man! Oh, Course of Dragons names will be tough for that because, like, so many with the hard vowels on the end. Oh my mm. god! Oh, and uh, Relsvar talks about the person that came up with the thing that would be like a demon, according to Gritz, was his assistant. Who, um, I don't know who that is, but if she's an assistant to Relsvar. You can bet that um, she may have been involved, or they may have been involved in the ritual. Wink. She she may have been important, yes, just a little. 
Um, what a, yeah, like, what, otherwise we, we mostly just get a lot of exposition in the other gang. We got the awkward carriage ride, and then we have an awkward dinner, uh, cause, cause they show up at the aquarium house and Cariel is there. And so then it's like, okay, now we have to like catch up Cariel and everything. I do like, there's like, Kieran has one bit where he was like, I really would have enjoyed the dinner if people didn't insist on talking. Yeah. <laughs> so delicious. Mm-hmm. And, uh, An actual food this time. Novelty. Yeah, and then Kieran and Thurvishar decide to go find Gritzt. And, uh, yeah, no. I'm, oh, and then at the very end, the last chapter, another excellent Gritzt moment. He uh, is basically home alone's a bunch of Vane into negotiating with him. <laughs> but it's great. Like that he, is a it, great description. You know, he, he basically, uh, he, he, what is it? words he knows that they will assume that he will use magic because that's how they think and so he doesn't Mm -hmm. and so he just makes like pit traps and smoke (laughs) bombs and slaughters a ton of vane before they'll kill anybody no i thought they died he puts them to sleep no no oh yes right yeah yeah he changes the smoke and like afterwards after he set all the traps and they fall in the pits and stuff he changes the smoke that he made into sleeping gas and then he says he literally piles them onto into a pyramid of people. Just the worst cheerleader pile ever. <laughs> there are good character moments, though, at the dinner. Like, yes. where Cariel is talking about overthrowing the law of Danios. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> which which is like, basic- I'm kind of on her side, actually. I hate it, but I am too. Like, it's not, she didn't die. She just got transferred. Mm-hmm. Right. But she also, uh, she also was a, cri- uh, she was also a criminal. So her crimes would yeah. also transfer yeah. according to the laws of, like, obviously we don't think she's a criminal because, I mean, like, we kind of do. Well, for I other mean, now reasons, she's though. a criminal, but yeah. by then, when oh, yeah. her- not, not for the Vane Civil War stuff. Right. But I'm, spe- I'm specifically talking about, uh, Cariel, because mm-hmm. like, what what was Cariel's crimes exactly? Like, uh, she went through the ritual of night, and so yeah. Kamezra sold her in the, into slavery. Balthea yeah. is the one that has, right. you know, the civil war charges. But I do like that, you know, they're having that discussion, and then Kieran is like, "Oh, doesn't that make you a hypocrite?" <laughs> and <laughs> and Cariel has this moment where, uh. She looks at Theron, like, do something about our son. <laughs> and it's just funny the way it's like, oh, now you're deciding to be parents? Yeah, when, right. And, and I think and then Theron a, is very much like, I'm not touching that. Where, Which, you know, uh, one of the few smart decisions that man makes, but, yeah. There's a moment where Janelle talks about, this is stupid. Leadership is decided by, you know, your ability to lead. And mm-hmm. Cariel has that remark about, oh, you didn't grow up with, uh, you, your parents were not of any royal line. And she has that, like, smug line about, oh, no, my mom was a dancing girl. <laughs> <laughs> not remarking that, uh, that, that, uh, Janelle's mom is, yeah, she was a dancing girl, but she was also, you know, she's also the goddess of magic and yeah, Kieran yeah. Kieran is like coughing into his hand like oh let's change the subject <laughs> Ty is a real renaissance woman 
I also love the my own little like thought process was like, yeah, maybe she presented herself as like a dancing girl in the way that you think, like, oh, she's kind of like, you know, borderline sex worker. Maybe she just described herself that way because she danced at one point. She was like, well, I danced. I'm a girl. The end. Mm-hmm. I just love the possible just. But there's also there. the whole uh, eight immortals manipulating all of their parents in order to fulfill the Devoran prophecies. So uh, her mother may have been a dancing girl specifically at a specific place where mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Corin Miller Greased was in order to fulfill a specific prophecy. That's always been my interpretation of, of that part of it is that she, cause he, like, there's a scene earlier in this book where he's like, I would have remembered if I slept with Taya. Yeah. Like, no, you probably just boned some random dancing girl and Taja, you know, tweaked the odds for her. No, I think it it was literally uh, Taya because remember the the great shout she no, that's literally what, sorry. gave birth. That's what I mean. Like she probably like like Taya was like, "Yep, you dressed up like a dancing girl, boned down, and then probably had Taja tweak the pregnancy odds." Oh, okay. Is my thought because because we we saw uh, in the quarry that Taja apparently can can you know make probability do its thing. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about probability being one of the fundamentals of the universe. Like, I guess it makes sense, but like, mm-hmm. of all the things that I think of as fundamental principles, luck, ir- like, it irritates me that chance is part of it. I know that it is. I just, I love control. You don't like it? I guess, I, Maybe it's I guess my math. problem is that I need therapy. That's what I'm saying. Maybe Taja is just like her, her thing that she controls is math, not... Like but Argus controls the other, like the 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 uh, like calculus like style engineering. Math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, better math. <laughs> okay, this goes into a little bit of future events in just this book. But when Teresa and Tarendel have that bonding moment, where Tarendel says, "I'm done with crowns," is he lying? Or is is it just that he has not come up with the plan yet that he will later come up with? I don't I don't think he wants to be king. I think that yeah. would suck. Yeah. I think the last time he was king he fucked it all up royally and lost his wife for like thousands of years. Yeah, like I agree, like he yeah, he do he doesn't want to be king. But, like, whether he needs to be king, I don't know if he's figured that one out yet. I mean, there's all these, yeah, like, there's this other somewhat interconnected family who's their, yeah, their hobby is squabbling for the throne. And maybe an adult just needs to come in. But he also knows that the ritual won't work. That's what I mean. Like, does Mm -hmm. he, does he already have, like, in the back of his mind that, oh, maybe I have to do something? Yeah, probably. It's probably starting to, like, if not dawn on him, he's probably starting to develop that. Because he is generally a guy that has a few plans going on. I would guess that he knows that it's not going to work, but... He already doesn't trust Dene. Mm -hmm. I don't think he really 
trust anybody except for his wife, maybe Theron, and the four kids, although he may think they are misguided right now. And probably, like, not able to keep a secret. Mm. Yeah, it's not that he does or doesn't trust them so much. It's, like, kind of like how you do or do not trust a cat with, like, well, calculus. Mm -hmm. It's like, it doesn't matter if you trust them with it. It's not gonna happen. And also, three of the cats are in heat at all times. (laughs) (laughs) The other cat is just on the ceiling somehow. (laughs) I do think, back to the discussion about what Thervishar and Kieran were talking about. I do think it's important to know what Thervishar says uh, about Janelle and Tereth is that they don't want to do the Ritual of Night because mm. of Valkaroth. They want to do it to save Kieran. Like That mm-hmm. is their motivation in all this. So in the back of their mind, they may know that the ritual of night might be the wrong move, but they also know, you know, they discuss it in the carriage and they discuss it at dinner and they have like, it's funny. The first time I read it, I thought the awkward moment of them being in the room was because Janelle and Kieran had sex. But I think it's now second, like I, I can't, I think this is the second or third time I read it. I think it's more of that discussion in the carriage where Kieran is like, um, and it's funny, it's funny how Tarendel can read Kieran really well. He's like, you're being quiet. What do you think? And Kieran is like, I disagree with my friends. And then they have that whole discussion. And I think it's more that discussion that causes the, you know, awkward moment of, you know, Janelle being like, not knowing what to do, but they all ended up in Kieran's room, and then Janelle awkwardly leaves, and then Tereth awkwardly leaves. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the first time I interpreted that as, oh, things are weird because Janelle and Kieran had sex, and, and it's weird for Kieran and Tereth because Kieran and Janelle had sex. But the way it came off this time around is like, oh, that discussion in the carriage really sort of like rattled all of them. Yeah, that makes sense. Because then Thurvishar, like, he's the next one to come in, and then that's when they have the discussion about, oh, Janelle and Tereth are trying to protect you. It's not about this whole, you know, it's not about saving the world to them as Mm -hmm. much as uh, it's more about saving you. Which kind of brings us back to the start of the book, which is, you know, you have these grand plans, and it starts with Cariel having these grand plans she's like oh but I, I kind of have feelings too for this person I shouldn't have feelings for and you know the this book I think is about what do you do when you have to make choices that are good for the world or good for the people you love like which one, how do you weigh that I don't know and I like that question, because um, you can't, you know, Doc doesn't really care what happens to the Vane, except that he does, he just cares about his wife more. Theron doesn't really, Theron leaves behind his entire household 
even though he knows that the best thing to do would be to go be High Lord and minimize casualties because he's selfish, but also, you know, he's just a guy and he's tired of being in power. So, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. All yeah. the characters struggle with it. It's interesting to see where they all come down on yeah. it. I mean, even down to, like, the end where, like, Terraith has to kill his mom to save the world. Right, yeah. Like, who... Why Why do you have to be the one who decides, like, the world or my mother? Mm-hmm. But you do, so too bad. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't really little, have anything else about. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good, really good profound note to end on, I think. <laughs> Except you have to cut the mom stuff, but... Well, we'll it's in there. this book, so... Alright, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think our rule is we don't discuss future books, but we do right. discuss future whole book. Yeah. Whole book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'll see how it feels in the final edit. Well, this is a short one because these chapters are actually there. Nothing happens. Like it yeah. doesn't feel that way. It feels very exciting, but actually nothing happens. Yeah. They just talk. They have dinner. That's a happening. That's thing. yeah. That's true. There's delicious dinner. If I remember correctly, a bunch of shit is about to happen. So mm-hmm. these are very much our our little uh, in between moments. Yeah, uh, the the next group of chapters has like some of my favorite moments, specifically, um, Karen and Thervishar go on an adventure. And the poop god. And the poop. Oh my god. I've been waiting to talk about this for so long. (laughs) Next episode is going to be like two hours because one hour is just going to be talking about the the poop god. Yep, very important. I have a lot of thoughts about how that works and how it should work and how it does work and it's beautiful and stupid and it's great. Mm -hmm. The end. I'm excited. Bye, Christina. Christina, what what else are you reading? Well, Joshua, I <laughs> full name. I don't know where that came from. Uh, so I have been in a huge slump. It's August twenty eighth. A thing that didn't really hit me until just now. Um, please ignore the panic in the rest of my voice. Uh, I have only read one book, which was Nona, uh, but I picked up The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison, uh, which has been recommended to me for a solid, like, seven or eight years. When was this published? <laughs> yep. Me too. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I wasn't in the mood for anything else, but this is, like, high levels of political intrigue. Um, but so far, not the kind of, like, oh, we have to be grittily realistic about it. Like, no, it's still about elves and the goblins. So, you know. I really like it so far. Steph, what are you reading? Yeah, I'm also kind of like in a bit of a not not reading. I think we're, we are also in a bit of a dry spell in terms of releases right now. But um, I just started reading The Stardust Thief and I'm really enjoying it so far. Like I think, Josh, when you talked about it, you talked about how, you know, it's it's a fairly traditional story structure. It's like, there's a quest for a thing. And we got, <laughs> and you know, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying just like a very like traditional linear structure with yeah, all these very, cool other elements around it. It's very simple, but yet it's also not simple. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm enjoying like 
cool and different world building around a, a very like linear story structure. The complicated part is not the story, like the plot. The ca- the complicated part is the relationship of the characters. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I'm excited for. Probably I might pick up the daughter of Redwinter too. I don't know. We'll see how things go. See how much reading I actually get done. Josh, I requested all of those books from my library, but because I moved to a different library system, I did not realize how long it takes libraries that aren't in Boston, Massachusetts Ah. to get you things. Uh Boston, known for being full of people who froth at the mouth if the books don't come. (laughs) Uh, So that's been... We're gonna we're gonna figure out some workarounds, but that's why I haven't started Stardust Thief. But Josh, what are you reading? Sorry. Speaking of the opposite of the Goblin Emperor, I'm still reading the gritty, realistic <laughs> Game of Thrones, nice. and uh, it is suffering like <laughs> just like everything. It, Book One is so. Book One is very good. It, when I say bad, I don't mean it's badly written. It's bad because I love all the Starks yeah. and nothing but bad things happen yeah. to them over and over again. And also, like, I'm remembering how different book Catelyn is to mm. TV show Catelyn is. Mm. I like TV show Catelyn a lot, but book Catelyn, not so much. Yeah, They're, like, well-developed characters who make infuriating choices that absolutely make sense for their characters, but you just want to shake them. I totally forgot that Catelyn says to Jon Snow as he's leaving for the Night Watch, he, like, says goodbye to Bran, who's unconscious, and he's about to leave, and he's got tears in his eyes, and Catelyn's like, it should have been you that that is in this bed. And and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, she's a bitch in the book. They, like, gave her a little bit of some redeeming stuff in the show in regards to that. But, like, she straight up hates him in the books. And, like, there is no re- redemption there for her. But I'm also enjoying it. It's like, it's like watching a video of, like, a middle-aged woman out of control. Catelyn is, <laughs> Catelyn is the Karen. The Karen. Yeah. Well, Cersei is also... <laughs> Well, that may may be that may be a a commentary on how George R. R. Martin writes women. That uh, maybe mm, I don't know. He has some pretty good women characters too. Like he's not amazing at writing women. I will say, but he does an okay job. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I am enjoying it, even though it's nothing but suffering. Um, (laughs) I will say, I did. Uh, cave in and watch House of the Dragon. I enjoyed I it. You know? I didn't hate it. Yeah. Uh, it helps that there's, I did never read Fire and Blood, mm. and so there's no, like, oh, they're gonna get this character yeah. wrong, or this is gonna go in the wrong direction. Even, I don't... like, I so I haven't read Fire and Blood, but I've read The Princess and the Queen, which is, like, the original novella, yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. like, it, it doesn't have time to get into characters that much. And it's written, like, in in world. It's like a maester writing a paper, basically. Yeah. So it's... And I didn't reread it either, because I didn't want to be like, well, they changed this and this and this, because I don't care. Um, I think the bar for, is so low for expectations for House of the Dragon that, like, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, fuck it. It. There it were dragons, and- there were Targaryens, <laughs> like, I'm on board. 
it's so sad. The bar being low is what made me enjoy it. It's because yeah. like, like they made the Iron Throne look better, mm, and like there's a lot of fun drama, and like I don't yeah. have a real super attachment to every character, so it's not like I'm gonna be like, uh, like really upset when someone is killed off for no reason. And also, looking at all the bad wigs is very funny. <laughs> They're not that bad. <laughs> Matt Smith's wig is bad. Matt Smith's is rough, but like Matt Smith also just has a weird face, kind of. I find him attractive. I'm mostly, a large portion of what I'm into in House of the Dragon is costumes and Matt Smith's bare ass. And the first oh, episode man. delivered in spades. <laughs> they, they, it's so, like, I watched like a comparison of like, the costumes and sets and stuff from Game of Thrones season one, episode one to House of Dragon episode one, season one. Oh my god, things have improved a yeah. lot. Yeah, oh, they they got a huge costume budget in in House of the Dragon for sure. Like everybody looks amazing. They got the Targaryen armor yeah. correct, and it was awesome. It was like, oh my god, like, and. And like Matt Smith, like I forget how good of an actor he, he is. is. He is yes. so good. Well, yeah. So I'm reading Game of Thrones, Suffering, House of Dragons. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fair. as long as you're enjoying it, yeah, um, in some some way, shape, or form. Yeah. You can find me <laughs> on weekly.com reading section and at four or five wits um, on Twitter. Christina, hey. where can we find you? You can find me at Oletti Girl and in the reading section of geekleading.com. You can also find me in those places, except at Steph O'Kingston. And also, um, we should, I don't think we've done this in like three episodes. Follow the podcast at No Page mm. Podcast. It's, in, it's you... in the um the, the thing at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, I oh, have thank it. God. Yeah, so at the end of the episode, I have a tag that has our handle, uh, Matt's music handle, and uh, Chango Chimago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Yes. Regard what I But, but if you don't listen said. to that, if you turn your podcast off the minute we stop talking, we're at No Page Pod. No Page Pod? Oh, God. No Page Podcast. podcast. No Page Podcast. <laughs> now you're having me second guess. I think it's myself. No Page Podcast. No page pod sounds too short. Yeah, it's no page podcast. Great, we're doing great. Yay! Hooray! Books you definitely know what's going on. Books. Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango.